The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The brain is our personal tool to keep us at our best and realize self-esteem. The mind, body, and immune system work together to help us make the right choices and to reach our purpose and potential. Welcome to Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. Lindsay and her guests are the go-to experts when it comes to relationships, sexuality, parenting, and wellness. We're here to enlighten and inform you. Now, here is your host, Lindsay Levinson. Hi, I'm Lindsay Levinson. Welcome. I'm your host on Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. And we're on Voice America. So thanks for tuning in today. And thanks for choosing this show. You are listening to Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets, whether it's live or archive. So it means that it's the same thing. You're deciding to listen. That's all I know. That's what I get out of this. If you're hearing my voice, you chose to listen. And if you chose to listen, you're choosing to grow and learn. And I am always so grateful for that. Today's part two of a two-part series. And Dean Adams was with us last week, and he agreed to rejoin us. And we are going to go deeper. And when I say that, I mean deeper into some of his personal experiences, suffering, what it meant to him personally, what compelled him to draw out and contribute to others. So, and a lot more, a lot more. that We had so much in that show, we could hardly fit it in. And we may have him on again, <laughs> because there's a lot here. But I'm going to ask you to continue to follow us at Facebook, Illuminating Now, one word. Your loyal followers, you guys are great. There's some good stuff coming up on Facebook. Um, I happen to know some of the things we're going to be asking and talking about. So I told you, we read your names on the air. We involve you. We contact you. There's a lot we do, and it's really um, a really connected group. So thanks for your involvement, and please stay with us with that involvement. Twitter is at sign illuminating now. Please look at that. And qualityforlifecoaching.com. I highly encourage you to go there. Sometimes there's a separation between the show being called Illuminating Now and my own practice, qualityforlifecoaching.com. So I'm pushing on that a little more, that you at least just go check out the website, qualityforlifecoaching.com. Check it out. There's a blog. There's information. I can help you. I'll do a free consult. I'll chat with you about anything. And if you'd like to be on the show or have ideas about what you'd like to see on the show, let me know that too. I want to make sure that you understand the guest today and that he is at Dean, D-E-A-N, at 10hopefilms.com. That's his email. And www.10hopefilms.com is the website. And 10 is the number 10. Don't spell it out. It's just one O. So this show has really been growing, and I will let you know each week as we progress. I did tell you a little shy of five months. We were almost at 20,000. We're past that now. It's a big community of folks. We've had press releases go out. We had one months ago. Now there's multiple. So that's the kind of growth I'm talking about. 
We're talking about the growth of the show in these press releases. We're talking about guests, and Dean Adams is one of the guests that was named in the show, so named in the press release that he would be on the show. Before I introduce Dean today, I have two things I need to do. One is I will introduce Dean and give him the bio because you always want to know the person you're about to be listening to for the next hour. So that's really important. But I'm also going to do something, which is I always like to tell you who's going to be on next week and make sure you mark your calendars for that. And because we sometimes run short on time, I'm going to do that on the front end of this show. And so next week is September 3rd. And we are going to be talking to David Tuckerow Jr. He is the subject of Bad to the Bone, and he will be joining me. He had his book written by Marilla Scott. Now, Marilla Scott is an award-winning author. She is nationally acclaimed, and she's Oprah's choice for Ambassador of Hope. So this is not only clearly a popular author because she's Oprah's girl, but she's a really special person. And she made an amazing connection with David, and there was a lot of healing that went on. David is a powerful advocate for bringing awareness to life-saving impact when a donor unselfishly provides. And so we're going to give you, you know, his address, and he's certainly going to talk to you about that. But he did get leukemia in his 20s, and he went on a journey of self-discovery through pain and hopelessness. You won't really believe his story. It's It's kind of... There's a lot to it, and he talks about writing the book, and I think it's interesting, as we'll listen to Dean, but one of his biggest um, mottos that he's going to really share with you is that storytelling was a huge part of how he healed, and he didn't even see that coming. He was just putting a book together, but by the time he collaborated and shared his story with Marilla, and they ultimately released this book, he was filled with tremendous wellness that now has changed his life forever. So that's David Tuckerow Jr. And his book is Bad to the Bone. You can look it up online and we will have him on next week. Dean Adams. Dean Adams was with us last week. If you listened last week, you were compelled. I mean, I hardly could talk. I was so busy listening to just the powerful, powerful stories this man has been through and choices he's made. They're really, really tremendously interesting. Uh, if you haven't listened, I really can't recommend enough. You know, sometimes part two series, eh, listen to one part, don't listen to the other, doesn't matter. Please listen to both parts of this. It really will make a difference. Go back and listen um, to August 20th if you haven't. Dean Adams is a documentary filmmaker with a committed interest in using his films. These are the stories we tell, and he wants those stories to heal the world. And I tell you to trust me that he's super unique. He's on a mission to facilitate growth into heart consciousness. And I ask you to ask yourself what that, those words mean, heart consciousness, because there's something very deep there with what it is to check in with our heart and be conscious, be aware, make good choices, feel something, and be affected by it. And Dean is somebody who is a leader of change to affect us all in a way that can connect to growth of the heart. Dean is a cinematographer. He's, wor- he's worked and his work has been showcased in documentaries for the BBC, ABC News, France 24, Arte Reportage, PBS, and Discovery Channel. In 2008, he was awarded a Media Excellence Award. It was from the International Association of Broadcasters. His half-hour film was nominated for Best Documentary. This is a prize for war correspondence. In addition to making his own films, though, Dean's really unique in this way, too. He's established himself as a trainer. 
So he's this master trainer, and he, he running video journalism intensives for the BBC, TV4 Stockholm, and RTL Germany. You know, it was his filmmaking workshops with the refugees, and I mean really, in, in the trenches and truly when you listen to what he's been through. It's, it's that kind of training and working with those situations and, to, and the material, his contributions to the 2010 Oscar-nominated documentary, Burma Vijay, that opened his eyes to what kind of empowerment documentary filmmaking can be and can contribute. In 2012, Dean was recruited as part of the management team tasked with creating the documentary unit at KTAR TV. So he does continue in those duties as the deputy editor-in-chief and the senior reporter. So he's launching new series. He's directing half-hour documentaries. These are important things. And Dean has started what I mentioned is a grassroots movement where social media technology intersect. Dean has launched 10 Hope Films, and I ask you to look that up, www. The number 10 Hope Films is all one entity, dot com. Dot com. Sorry, almost lost me there. Dean's future goal is to create character-driven stories from the trenches of human ingenuity about visionaries who are leading the mantle for change in the environment, education, public health, politics, religion, and science. So... I am so thankful that you came back, that you agreed to do a two-part series. And boy, were we lucky that we agreed to do this in the front end because we would have never had enough time. We would have, I would have been really frustrated if we only did one, Dean. So thank you for being here again for part two. Thank you very much, Lindsay. I'm so happy to be here. It's so great to have you back. We certainly, in the previous show and in the previous week, we we got to know you through your work. We certainly talked about a lot of situations and the bonding with your, your students and these suffering situations that you all, I mean, life-threatening situations that you all went through. There was a theme of human suffering and empowerment through storytelling. But to get deeper into the topic of human suffering, I just want to ask you, do you believe that the, you know, or maybe I should just ask you why, like the media really does focus on this. There's this dark side of humanity and, and who suffers and we like bad news. Why do you think that is? Why is there such a focus there? It's really, I mean, I hate to be just to risk sounding cynical, you know, Lindsay, but I think it's what sells and it's also what we know. Um, what what we know is that, and this is something that uh, that people will tell you in in media in news, is that the crying woman, the uh, the tragic scene, if it doesn't bleed, it doesn't lead in the news. And nobody wants not to lead in the news. Nobody wants their ratings to go down vis-a-vis their competitors. And there's something kind of very vicious about that, kind of a vicious cycle, which basically propels hopelessness and defeat through a system of storytelling that focuses by and large on what's miserable, what's not working in our world. We need this information. We need to know these things about our world. But if it's 98% that we're being fed through the vehicles that deliver the media to us, uh, negative information, and only 2% or perhaps less 
useful, positive information, not Pollyannish, but which is to say just information about innovation, about the inspiring ideas that can transform our world. If we mobilize around these ideas, how will our world change as a result? It's about expanding that 2% or less in our storytelling from hopelessness and defeat, from bleeding to life-sustaining and life-giving that really interests me, transforming suffering through story, through narrative, uh, into inspiration for how we can become better as a humanity and how we can spread that, given the tools that are at our disposal nowadays with social media, with the ready access of even smartphones that we can make films with. So, I mean, we have the power now to do incredible things, to get a, put a man on the moon mentality, to infuse our storytelling with that kind of mentality. Great ideas, inspirational ideas that are backed by hard science, that are backed by research, and, of course, courageous individuals who are struggling to make these things happen, to mobilize people around these ideas so that we can take the suffering and we can translate it into its opposite side of the coin. We can translate it into, into a victory of sorts or at least into growth and into learning from our mistakes. I think this is a big change in our world I mean, I, I think we're moving through it. I think it's a transgression and a, and, a, and a transformation that we are literally experiencing as we speak. And I think that, you know, it's absolutely true. We, we cling on to the negative. We all flip on our stations. Um, oh, gosh, there was a movie. Um, I can't. It was, uh, it was one name. It was with Diane Lane. But it was... Um, they couldn't find this person, but it was like deaths were happening through the computer. And the more that you watched, you know, if people watched, the ratings went up and the murderer had it set up so that the more people who watched, he would turn up the volume and how he's torturing these people, which is, it sounds like a terrible thing to be talking about, but I'm really, I've never, um, Untraceable was the movie, Untraceable. And I've never forgotten that. It was such a catch-22. People had to know the horror that these, like, five individuals were being tortured. And yet the whole point of the murder is if you'd shut up your computers, I won't do anything more to these people. But people had to keep checking on the people. And, and you know, so I've just there, – there's a time where, you know, that's – the negative is absolutely what was prevalent and what needed to be seen. I do say that there is a – a movement in the world now with holistic and with wellness and, and inspiration. And I think that because here's the thing, we also have an epidemic of depression and anxiety and, you know, uh, so very many other things, which there's no judgment. And I certainly have suffered myself. So, um, but we have that. We go through that. And so how interesting that inspiration and contribution and things like what you're doing can change. That's really, truly a fact. It can change our ability in our brain to have coping mechanisms and have inner strengths that we don't have when we see bad things happening and we just, you know, have an undercurrent of anxiety. So that's a little bit of a speech there, but, you know, psychologically, I, I see this change in it and I'm with you. I, I feel like we're, it's just the beginning, but we need to learn about the power of inspiration and how we can rise up, that whole pay it forward. There's something big about that. Um, I want to ask you this. I want to talk to you about 
your suffering because this is, you know, let's roll back tape. And for a filmmaker, let's really roll back tape on this one, Betty, because, you know, we become much more credible when we personalize and everything you've said is so credible. And you have mentioned that you suffered growing up and you wanted to really then delve into the suffering of others and turn it into compassion and work with wisdom. Can you talk a little bit about your life first and what, you know, what suffering or what were you launched from that would create your eyes to see, even see these things? Sure, sure. I think the, the, the place to start really is before my life. Um, it's, it sounds funny on the, on the surface, but you, you'll get me in just a second, is that um, my, my grandparents uh, grew up with World War II in France, and, um, and they were very poor. They were farmers. Uh, they were subsistence farmers, basically, um, who, who worked very, very hard for not a lot of gain. And my mother would tell me stories even when she was growing up that one orange for Christmas, that, that was their Christmas gift. That's how poor they were. And they were overjoyed to receive that in their stocking. And, um, you know, my, my grandfather was, he was, uh, he, he became a, a hopeless alcoholic. And it was, uh, it was wartime, it was just after the war, and he could no longer hold a job. And it was very, very shameful for my grandmother and for our family, because in a sense, he became like the town drunk, and uh, he was unable to do the manly thing and to provide for his family. And my, my mother grew up with him, uh, most of the time drunk. And uh, he died when she was quite young, when she was 14. She described it as, as a relief, not because she hated her own father. She didn't. She loved her father. But because he, he, he was just so unpleasant to be around when he was drinking, which was a lot of the time. And, and this meant that my grandmother, at a time when it wasn't acceptable for women to take jobs or to go into the workplace, um, had to support the family. And she went to nursing school. And while she was raising kids, there were no washing machines at the time. She's stirring the soup and preparing the meals. She's stirring with one hand, and she's studying her nursing textbook with the other hand, holding it in the other hand. And she got through it and ended up having nearly 40 people under her at one of the country's biggest psychiatric hospitals just down the street. Wow. yeah, you know, an amazing story of courage. But, but, you know, she had so much anxiety and so much depression over this. Um, you know, what was she going to do? How were, how were they going to make ends meet? How, and, and, of course, when her husband died, my grandfather died, you know, then, you know, how, how would she single-handedly su- continue to support the family? All of the weight and pressure was on her. I think my mother picked up on those patterns of, of addiction. She picked up on those patterns of emotional response to the addiction, but also to the war, uh, to her mother's nervousness, her mother's anxiety. Uh, As wonderful as my grandparents were, I know my grandfather had a heart of gold. I'll never meet him, or at least I I never had the opportunity. I was born after he died. Um, but, But, you know, people have real problems, and I think we're thrown out of balance in our lives in response to the big events of our lives. And then we 
we adjust or we compensate to fill the suffering, to fill the void, to fill the pain. And addiction then takes over for some of us. And for others of us, the addictive patterns might come in the form of depression or anxiety. But it doesn't mean that they're not addictive patterns. I know that I, I experienced that growing up and I very much identify that that came multi-generationally from my grandparents and from the environment that they grew up in and the traumas that they suffered. At one point, there were German soldiers living in, in our house, in our family house. Uh, my grandmother's house, uh, you know, and, and they had to do the laundry for them and they had to cook for them. And so there was all of that upheaval and of that poverty and at the same time people working very, very hard simply to make sense of their lives and to provide for their children and to try and make a better place for themselves and for those who succeeded them. So growing up, I, I believe that my mother responded, you know, very much in, in an unexamined way to, to this, this addiction that she grew up with in her father and, uh, and, and suffered a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression. And I ended up suffering a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression. And it wasn't until I did many, many years of sort of looking at this and looking into the history of our family um, and that I realized that that's really the way it works. You know, we inherit these things. We, uh, we inherit them, we respond to them. Sometimes we take them to the next level. I think that with, in my case, I even took it to the next level of worry and anxiety and depression. And to make matters worse, you know, we were in a very, very strict fundamentalist Christian religion uh, at the beginning where we thought the end of the world was coming all of the time and, you know, we had to sort of prepare to flee to a place of safety. And, uh, you know, this, this was... You know, this was not something that exactly led me to believe that I was secure or stable, in, not, not in my home life, not in, in our world, because, you know, my, my parents divorced, and they had a very bitter divorce, mm -hmm. and it wasn't for any necessarily good reason, that there was no physical abuse, there was no emotional abuse, but it was just for the simple reason that, you know, my dad uh, had a hard time holding down a job. He was a big thinker, a big dreamer. And he had big ideas for the world. And um, he didn't quite know how to translate them into practical action. But everybody loved my dad. And, but my mother, who grew up with this poverty and grew up with the shame of having a, a father who couldn't hold down a job, was then the chief breadwinner in our household for a number of years. And that's what kind of did them in. And how sad, you know, that an economic situation where the roles are, are reversed but where two people actually love each other um, and and have born children together can become so alienated from each other. And it's kind of a playing out and an acting out of the imbalances that came before without necessarily being conscious of those imbalances and the way that they have informed our emotional landscapes, our reactions, our, our thought patterns in this okay. life. And, you know, and so, and so that's where, you know, I'm very real, you know, I mean, I, I don't think I was very functional for so many years of my life, even until, until fairly recently. Um, you know, but now that I'm able to sort of articulate these things and to look at them and to see how much of it I contributed to and to take responsibility for them, 
now that I'm in that space, of course, you know, I realize that a lot of the suffering that I gravitated to in my reporting, in my living, in, you know, this, this very intense situations of poverty that I created for myself as a freelance international correspondent, uh, you know, it was uh, directly related to the experiences of my grandparents. And these are, of course, only the things that I can sort of know from the stories that have been told. But, but putting them together, I mean, this is what makes sense to me. It makes total sense. Well, it's so interesting, you know, um, and we only have a couple minutes before break, but I just want to say the interesting, you know, that you listen to these stories. I was thinking as you were talking, how many of us don't really know the stories of our heritage? We really don't even know our own parents' stories. We certainly don't know our grandparents. We don't know the details, the meticulous details of what the man did, what the woman did, what the hardships were in the relationship, what caused crisis in a family, if there was addiction or who was tormented by it. You know these details. You're a storyteller, but you're also such a listener, and you want to understand stories because as you are using them to make sense of life for the world, you're using your own life story to make sense of life for you and your connection. And as I said, we are going to go to break. We're going to come back. I I think it's so important that you were living with certainly fear as well as potentially depression and anxiety, as you said, but just the thought of fleeing and what all that means. Um, So I want to talk to you a little bit more about that and launch back in there when we get back. We are on Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. I am your host, Lindsay Levinson. We have our guest, Dean Adams, for part two of this series, and it's powerful stuff. Please don't change the channel. Go get a glass of water, but don't change the channel. You're going to want to hear the rest of what we have to say. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. The world we live in has become a crazy place. Poverty is at an all-time high in the wealthiest nation on Earth. We keep calling on government to save us with new programs. And now, we have more people using food stamps than any time in our history. This problem continues to get worse. The answer to poverty is in our homes, churches, and communities, and through our children. Get the answers from The Mickey Ellison Show, Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. To connect with Lindsay or her guest, please call in to the show at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to lindsay244 at sbcglobal.net. That's L-I-N-Z-I-244 at sbcglobal.net. Now, back to Illuminating Now. Hi, this is Lindsay Levinson. We are on Illuminating Now. I am your host. This is Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets with our guest, Dean Adams. We're coming back into part two of part two. So this is the last half of the show, but we are in a part two series, and this is our last day with Dean. So um, we're getting into some good stuff here. Dean is sharing a lot, being very vulnerable, talking about life and kids growing up. And it's stuff I think we all wish we knew more about. Some of us do know, and I think it's really valuable if we do. What was with our grandparents? What was with our parents? How did they feel? What were their pros and cons of relationship and life struggles? I know my, you know, dad's family went through the depression, shared an apple for dinner amongst, you know, four kids and two parents. I mean, but his dad went into a tremendous depression. You know, there's, there's things you do learn and they change, you know, how you look at your parents and, you know, my, my dad having jobs, you know, three jobs at the age of 14, what, what, what these mean. And, and so knowing your family history has a lot to do with what they've gone through, hence what you're going through, or maybe you lived through as a child. Anyway, Dean's interpretation of this and description of this is really valid, and I hope it's helping some of you in thinking about that. He talked about fear. I mean, he talked about the, you know, the thought of fleeing, that they were always sort of thinking that might be happening. So I can't – that just has to be so scary to live a life where you think that's going to happen. And um, I know that that is an important topic for you because you grew up with a lot of fear and but then you went into this fearless desire to look at human suffering. And you talked about that for this guy who is in poverty. You drew toward, here you're this international freelance guy, but you're moving into situations of poverty. So, you know, but you're seeking to trans, and this is so important to me to say this. I just think this line is so important. You know, you, because you've said this, you're seeking to transform fear into compassion and understanding. So, I just want to make sure everyone hears that. Just If you all wrote that down and tried to make it a goal because you're all afraid of something, we are all in this moment afraid of something. But what if we tried to transform fear into compassion and understanding and let it offer us some power in what we might do next? So for Dean, I'm asking you, what is your mission? What do you wish to accomplish now in what you've been through? Probably the, the the most important thing for me is to is to give the gift of inspirational storytelling the tools necessary for that uh, the space uh, in which to be able to create that on a mass scale in the world because we have the tools we we never before had them as we have them today and as we'll continue to have them the knowledge really to to do things and to mobilize now on a mass scale 
uh, through social media, we can take the films that we're making and we can steer them toward the world that we want to create and the healing that we want to see take place and transform defeat and hopelessness and complacency and and what they call willful ignorance into light, into inspiration and into a thriving picture for the world that we'd like to see our great, great, great grandchildren inherit, thinking about the world that we really want to create and not, not the world that we just kind of want to eke it out in and hope that we survive as a, as a humanity. So that's what Ten Hope Films is really all about. Um, it's stories of hope, stories of change, which is looking at the visionaries in our worlds, and some of them are, are well-known and others of them deserve to be known and deserve to have the stories of their struggles to bring these amazing ideas to light in the world so that we're focusing, we're shining the spotlight, the focus, the attention on what stands to transform us, what stands to change us. And uh, so, so for me, I mean, the biggest thing, the biggest piece to storytelling is its incredible transformative power. That's as old as the hills. I mean, it, it's, it, it was always that way. Storytelling is the thing that we do. And no matter what we're involved with in our lives, if we can really nail the story of what it is that we're doing, then that very much drives our success, whether it's you know, engineering uh, this or that, or whether it's a musician who tells stories in, in, in a musical way or poets in a lyrical way, um, filmmakers, mathematicians, all of it is about story level, sto- storytelling at a, at a very, very high level. And, um, and, and that really is my mission. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm hoping, not hoping, but what I'm actually building because I see that, that if, everywhere we look, you've mentioned it already in the show, this, the word storytelling emerges and re-emerges. And it really is about the story that we're telling. It's about what we attract to ourselves from the stories that we're feeling on the inside and that we're articulating in words through action, through the things that we create and the products, including the, the, the visual products and you know the actually hard stories that we're putting into the world. Why do you think... I mean, I'm really just going to ask sort of a deep question because I mean, I'm answering it kind of in my own mind as I'm asking it, but, but storytelling, you know, you said it's as old as time. It's, it, it's, it's, you know, primal stuff, but why is it so powerful? Why can it change lives? And I will even go with the radio station again. I, I myself am blown away by the growth, but yet it's stories, and, and, and they're different. Sometimes there's a theme. You know, let's talk about finances or sports. or you know, This show isn't. So we, either we talk about sexuality or we talk about depression or we talk about a mother who lost her daughter to a brain tumor or a 20-year-old who gets leukemia. It's a, it, it is a show of storytelling and what people have really been through. Why do you think that matters so much? Why do people tune in more and more? And why do people, why do your films have an impact that is transformational by, by the story. What is that? Where's the power? Mm-hmm. I, would, Any- I would like it to, um, well, I mean, stories can be parables. They can be, they can be you know, documentaries about 
quote-unquote real people and real situations. But it's again, it's the lens that we see it through. It's the frame yeah. that we put things in. Uh, yeah, and that's for me, that, that, that is, uh, you know, then it's about intention. And what is the intention? What's the quality of the intention? Is it to, is it to see and to listen very, very deeply, to see very clearly so that we can know how to trod, you know, how to tread this path, how to, how to walk this, how to walk this path in the world and, and to create something better than, than what we feel we currently have. Um, it's what, I guess stories are what we can know, Lindsay, you know, this is, it's what we can know of our, our past. Uh, it's the details that we can bring into the story. It's, it's that part of the mystery that we can know. And stories then become symbolic of all the things that we can't know in the mystery, this incredible mystery of living. Why are we alive? What is it that we were intended to create in the world and for humanity? How are we supposed to come out of this experience as a, as a collective whole? So um, in that sense, the symbolism of the story and what it evokes the, when we talk about inspirational story elements, we talk about um, transformative story elements. All of those qualities of evoking, evoking what it is that we're on about spiritually as a, as a human race. And I think if you break it down, you know, ultimately we are energy. You know, I mean, it's just subatomically and everything else. We become this vibrating essence. Right. And... Yeah, and we channel frequencies. We we see television channels. We see internet channels. A channel channels a frequency, um, and you know it's about channeling something really that's qualitatively different than than what we currently are channeling and mass. And I, and as you had mentioned, through social enterprise and through uh, an emerging consciousness and awareness and waking up in our world, the need to really intentionally look at how we can create together some better thing for ourselves, some better world, is, is popping up all over in every corner of the globe. So I think there's incredible, there's incredible need, but also at the same time there's incredible demand uh, that... that for this kind of storytelling and, and for storytelling to be meaningful, for it to be intentional, for it to be creative at a very, very high level. I love the words you're using. I love the things you're saying. I, I just, you taught, you talked about intentional and you talked about a lens and, and then you went on and, and you talked about, you know, we know what we can and, and then there's what we can't know. And all of this, what was coming up for me was, yeah, you know, like we're on the planet and we want to make meaning of life. We want to. We have to. We have to have a purpose. And I don't just mean we want to just understand the whole world. And maybe we do. But I think my view, even as an individual coach for folks, is you have to have an identity that's yours, which is your belief system. What do you like? What do you not? What do you think's good, bad? Whatever the things are you would evangelize and go for in the world. And you have to have a purpose, a reason to wake up each day. And it can change every day. I tell people, you don't have to stick with it, but you kind of need it. You can't be purposeless or you don't have much of a reason to get up. And with that comes 
making meaning, making meaning of your life. If you are contributing, if you do have a purpose, what does it contribute to? So as, as I was listening to you talk and thinking about stories, I was thinking about that intention and that lens and, and how we all, like if I listen to your story or look through your lens, it's a chance for reflection and perspective. And I might see either what you see or maybe what you see isn't even what I see, but I see something else that relates to something in my own life that has now just jogged me into something I'd like to change or something I'd like to do or a better way I'd like to be. And so I go back to, I think I I, I was listening to you and you were building a structure for me to come up with my own answer too, which is we all need each other. That's what you just finished saying too about all the corners of the world this collaboration, that's what I talk about, you know, minds come together and we grow and learn by just asking a simple question and someone gives an answer and, but that answer doesn't maybe mean much to you, but for me, you just changed my life because it, now I can put it into application in my own life based on the perspective I just got by listening to you. So storytelling, I'm just, I'm really making sense of it for myself right now and why, why this is so valid. It's a relatable it's a relatable tool and a practical application for life change and transformation based on being able to see something in any different way just by one different word that you might have heard. So really interesting. Do you think that documentary as a genre, an art form, do you think it's hit a saturation? I mean, there's where there weren't very many so long ago. Now everybody can make one on their smartphone. Do you, do you think we're hitting our limits on that? No, I don't. I don't think we'll ever hit our limits on that um, because so many interesting opportunities are arising from from basically the, the the technology. People are able to make compelling documentaries about all kinds of topics all over the world. So, I mean, the, the saturation, um, you know, would would really come if we were just making stories about misery and suffering. But what I'd really like to see is channels for stories that are about change and and this is this is what I'm going to be calling for through through Ten Hope films which you know in every area where change is happening and leaders and visionaries are are carrying the mantle for for that change um you know I had I had just sort of been doodling before our talk and thinking you know with what's happening in in Israel and 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 Gaza for example you know, there's an opportunity for some of the world's wealthiest people and nations to rebuild Gaza with state-of-the-art schools and apartment buildings and, and, uh, and shops that, that people can set up their businesses in. And uh, like a kind of a Marshall Plan, you know, there's the opportunity for that. And I bet you there's a visionary somewhere who has that idea and is mobilizing people around it. And I would almost be willing to bet that that individual is an Israeli, but we're not seeing the story. And, and why aren't we seeing it? We're not seeing it because we're so accustomed to war, aren't we? We're right. so accustomed to saying that might makes right. We're so accustomed to saying that, you know, um, you know, I can, you know, I can lob rockets at you and you can, you know, bomb the, the heck out of me and, and, you know, and, and neighborhoods in, in where I live. And that we're going to be these enemies until time immemorial. But there's a way of looking at it 
a lens through which we can look at it, and the frame becomes very, very different. It's about intention. It's about will. It's about not being willfully ignorant. It's about vision. And, and I want to see films made about these visionaries. I'm going to be calling for films made about these visionaries, perhaps even by the visionaries themselves. They don't have to be long because we live in a very busy world, but, but what they do need to be is from the heart. And they don't even have to be made according to professional production values. They just need to be from the heart. And I can guarantee you that a percentage of those films will go viral and that these people will find the other people that they need in order to make their dreams and their inspirational ideas and the work that they're doing become a reality. Wow. I mean, which is why you're such a visionary. I mean, you're just leading the way in that for you to just understand that and and for you not to put so many guidelines around it, that it doesn't have to meet these standards or those standards, just stories of the heart of a visionary, because you're right. What lies in people's heads? What lies in people's minds at night as they rest their head on the pillow about world change for the better, about a simple solution that they would never believe anybody would buy into or they wouldn't even know where to begin. But by you putting it into 10 Hope Films, all of a sudden, if it, like you said, it goes viral and everybody's standing behind a belief system that one simple person just tooled around in their head for a very long time. Um, I, you know, I know I think of things all the time and think, you know, who would I tell? Where would I go with this? There isn't anywhere, but I know it would change the world, you know? So, I mean, I think there's a lot of us that, you know, have ideas, but for you to make that project to call out for that is fantastic. And, and, you know, you mentioned where you're, uh, you know, Gaza and, 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 and even Syria, Iraq, just, are you not drawn to go there and do, you know, more, you know, maybe commercialized or, something to do with what's really going on and step away from some of the documentary and deal with real-time events that are happening since you are, you know, closer or even know about it. I mean, just, just knowing about it. Well, there was certainly a time in my life where I was drawn to, to conflict reporting and, um, and, and to making stories uh, in in that context, it's it's so incredibly uh, vicious this cycle of destruction and and of just complete breakdown in places like Iraq and Syria. Um, you know, I'm kind of beyond that stage in my life, and what I'm looking for is opportunities to tell the stories of rebuilding. Uh, there are refugees who are in refugee camps. There are people who are living in border areas who are trying to put their lives together or simply just trying to survive. And I think we would be surprised if we went into some of these areas and and something that I would like to do um, and and that I'm always in discussions with my bosses about um, is to go into these areas and to see to see what stories these, uh, these people who have suffered in the heart of the conflict were trying to put their lives together to make their, you know, just to simply... to make some sense of what's happened to them and to their country and to see what stories they have to tell and to give them the, the tools to be able to tell some of these stories and to keep it focused on the country that they want to have back one day. 
and not only to have back, but to build anew and to build in the place of the rubble and all of the destruction. Um, I think there's, there's room for that. I think people would listen to that much more than, and, and nothing against the United Nations or, or heads of state. But I think we look entirely too much to people in suits sitting in large conference rooms and right. in hotel settings for answers. And uh, we don't look enough to the people who, uh, who could really tell us the most from the heart about what it is that they want and what it is that they wish to see created, even, right. even after they've been through hell and, and back. And I think that there's so much, uh, there's so much from their suffering that can, through, through the craft of storytelling, that can, we, can, we can begin to give them the tools that they'll need to transform that suffering into resilience and into some very higher form, into a higher form of, of, uh, of creativity. Yeah. I, I, show is coming to a close. You're ending on a good point, but I still have to say I had so many things. I had all these notes and things I wanted to ask you. I'm not, I'm not sure you and I are done, Dean, because this is just such a powerful subject. Um, but I am going to have to do some concluding things. And so I want to thank you. You have made an effort for two weeks to be on this show and to do this two-part series to enlighten the world on storytelling and enlighten the world on some of what you've been through and tied it to depression and anxiety and addiction and things that we've been through and fear and how to transform some of those in a different way with the use of stories and what you're doing now with 10 Hope Films. So thank you. I need to just say thank you for being on the show. I so appreciate it. Thank you, Lindsay. It's been a real honor. I really appreciate it as well. You're welcome. So people, please, www.tenhopefilms.com. Take a look on the website if you're confused at how that's spelled or what I mean. I'm going to get right into it now as I sort of breeze through the end. Let's review a powerful two weeks, okay? Because this is a major theme, storytelling, being a way to process, heal, learn, reflect, grow. And in Dean's case, and in so many of our capabilities, Contribute. We might be able to contribute through stories. Dean Adams, he's launched 10 Hope Films, and this is fabulous. Looking at visionaries, looking at people who can make a world change, seeing if we can get something to go viral so the world can see something that's just stuck in someone's head, but they are a mind that could change the world for the better, and we can move toward inspiration in a better way. Be sure to visit that website that I mentioned. Learn about this grassroots movement. Learn about the mission about Dean and the movement and suffering and and the stories that he has been through to make these decisions of where he wants to go to next. And Lindsay's life secret. You know, we mentioned suffering last week, and I'm going to stay with it because it's so key because so many of us sit and live with suffering, and we really want out, but we're pretty sure, you know, this is just my situation, and I'm stuck, and it sucks, but it just is. So I want to say suffering is prevalent in society, and frankly, it's been prevalent throughout time. But it is what we do with a bad situation, or when we are witnessing pain in others, or when we carry fear, or addictions, or depression, or secrets. You know, we find that these end up sabotaging our life. So what should we do? What can we do? So I'm going to say we must transform what feels heavy. Dean talked about energy, and I think that's true. We are energy forces, and things can feel heavy, and that's a real sign. Pay attention to that. We must reflect, not 
just reflect on a new perspective, but come up with one. If you can't reflect on one and it's not coming to you through things that you see, you must sit down and in your brain, what I call turn it upside down. Turn it upside down. See a new perspective because this can come from contribution. It only takes one to affect another. And if you affect another, you could start a mission. You could say, my mission is to change this, right? And it only takes a couple people or a mission to launch a movement. But you have to stop and realize that the negatives, they are real. I'm not taking those away from you. But change is always possible. That I am going to stand by. So rather than waiting for your change to happen and worry and wonder, even in the worst of times, use your pain to be the catalyst and the vehicle that you reach through and reach out to help another and then another and then another. Hey, guess what? You've helped three people in my little scenario. When you're making that change or you're helping other people, you know what? You feel empowered. How great is that? If you help someone, you help someone get up, give them a hand, lift them up. You help someone find a light switch. It's dark. They can't see. You guys are busy people. I know this. I know that you're busy every week. I'm not sure why you're tuning into the show. I want to provide value. I hope I do. I know my guests are lovely, valuable people doing amazing things. So I can understand why you'd want to hear them. All I know is I'm grateful you tune in. You are using your time to listen to this show. So thank you. Please go to www.10hopefilms.com. Do not miss that site. Next week, I read you about David Tuckerow Jr. He got leukemia in his 20s. The book is written by Marilla Scott. This is Oprah's recommendation. As an ambassador of hope, you don't want to miss this story about his journey with leukemia and writing the book. I'm your host, Lindsay Levinson. We're on Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. We've been with Dean Adams. He's been our guest, filmmaker, documentary specialist. He's just really done so very much, and I'm so grateful he has been with us. I wish you all a truly transformational week. Thank you so very much. For joining us for Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. Please join Lindsay Levinson again next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.